I'm Jessica Lynn Verde, and this is your Sci-Fi 5, five minutes of science fiction history for September 27th. And it was on this day in 1963 that Doctor Who went before the cameras for the first time at the BBC's aging facilities at Lime Grove Studio D. But the performances and shots that wound up on tape went unseen by the public for decades. Take one of the very first Doctor Who episode, and an earthly child was not ready for prime time. There were technical glitches aplenty, especially with the futuristic set of the TARDIS control room, whose doors didn't exactly want to close quietly. Stagehands scuttling behind the scenes created an unacceptable amount of unwanted noise, but perhaps more worryingly, the final verdict was that the script needed more work and the performances needed some fine-tuning. The November 1963 premiere date was rushing toward Doctor Who's production team, still in its infancy, and the show needed more work. But fans of another venerable sci-fi TV franchise born of the 60s know that being ordered to produce a second pilot isn't a death knell for the show. It might just be the cocoon that results in a butterfly with a better chance of survival. We'll look at what changed after this. The original pilot formulation of the first Doctor Who adventure, An Unearthly Child, differed from the finished product significantly, but there was one line that would have had a significant downstream effect on the show's mythos if it had been rewritten. The first 15 minutes of the episode play out a lot like the finished product, but the Doctor's first appearance is marked by his extremely rude behavior toward Ian and Barbara, the two school teachers who are doing a welfare check on their student Susan, the Doctor's grand daughter. Of course, all is well known by now, Ian and Barbara force their way into the TARDIS and in its impossibly massive control room stands Susan, costumed in a more futuristic outfit than what's seen in the final episode. But then Susan says she was born in the 49th century, and while there's still a vague hint in the dialogue that the Doctor and Susan may not be from Earth, it was ultimately decided to leave things a lot more vague, and to soften the Doctor to a more grandfatherly persona. That wiggle room made the addition of the Time Lords possible, something that didn't happen for another six years. It wasn't an easy decision, and since the BBC's production work workflow at the time involved doing things almost like a live-to-tape stage play, there was no backing up, and just reshooting a few scenes to edit them in, the entire production had to be remounted from the opening scene. This wasn't cheap, and is accurately portrayed in the recreation of these events in the BBC's 2013 made-for-TV docudrama An Adventure in Space and Time. Jobs and potentially careers were on the line for the behind-the-scenes crew. 
And yet so much of the show's future was there, readily on display. The mysterious doctor taking on unwitting human travel companions, the TARDIS being bigger inside than out, the walls of its interior set covered with, well, you know, those round things, the six-sided control console, that theme music, though here there were thunderclaps dubbed in, which didn't survive the pilot presentation. It was all there already but just needed a few tweaks, including the realization that maybe the first episode wasn't the place to nail down the Doctor's origin story, an element of the show that continues to become more mysterious even in the 21st century. It's almost as if someone in 1963 knew that the series had the potential to become bigger on the inside. This has been 5 Minutes of Science Fiction History, your daily Sci-Fi 5 for September 27th. Sci-Fi 5 is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.